Zimbabwe prep for the Cricket World Cup qualifier, Southern Africa Cup and the seamless stream, East Asia Cup, Malaysia versus Nepal, and the thrilling final day of the Women's European Division 2 qualifier in Jersey. That's all coming up on the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Hello again to everyone listening around the world, the Imagine Cricket Podcast for this week online and on Sport FM in Perth. Daniel Bezdek with you alongside Nick Skinner, who's been uh, pulling a couple of big days together on the uh, professional work front. Unfortunately, not on the EC front, but we do not begrudge him. Uh, Nick, how's things over there in Iceland? I understand uh, a work party and then you had the short straw and uh, copped the shift the next morning. <laughs> yes, uh, it's uh, yeah, not the funnest way to back up, but you got to do what you got to do. And when you live you know, five minutes walk away from work, it's it's pretty uh, manageable. But uh, yeah, all in all, I'm I'm ready for bed pretty much as soon as we finish this recording. Um, but yes, how, how's uh, how's Australia though, Bez? Things are decent here. Uh, yeah, as we sort of move into the Australian winter, it is getting a little bit nippier. We are coming closer to the Cricket World Cup qualifier, which uh, I think we're both mm. looking forward to. The Ireland-England test match has begun. Uh, as we record, only day one has, has finished. So I think we'll save that probably till next week. But it hasn't been the, the most jolly of starts from an Irish point of view. English test cricket is, is kind of great to watch on TV here. It's basically primetime night television. I think the first ball is normally at 8 p.m. And you can get to about midnight when you sort of almost call stumps on your own night and you get mm. to see the best part of two sessions normally. It's normally waking up and, and finding out what happened in the third session, especially when you're backing up and going into work at 9am. But yeah, things are good here. And uh, as always, plenty of uh, emerging cricket to talk about. I think we could start uh, in Africa. And while we do bring up the qualifier that does begin on the 18th of June, Zimbabwe are hosting a, a Pakistan touring side, the Pakistan Shaheens. Shaheens is uh, a local word for Falcons. So uh, yeah, Shaheen Afridi is okay. Falcon Afridi, a little bit of a, a fun fact for you. But yeah, starting with that tour. Good preparation for the home side in, in playing that World Cup qualifier. A lot of the Zimbabwean players in the side hosting this tour will be in that Zimbabwe squad. They uh, lost both the unofficial test matches to the Pakistan touring side, but had a little bit more success in the one-day matches. The one-day matches were all played at the Harare Sports Club, and if these matches are anything to go by, we might have a bit of a run fest there during the qualifier, uh, looking especially to the final one-day match where Craig Irvine made 195 as Zimbabwe coasted to 385 for seven. They then defended it, but only in the end winning by 32 runs as uh, the Pakistan Shaheens came back to make 353 of their own. Uh, Sakanda Raza taking three for 66, the pick of the bowlers there. But just eyeballing this series and and looking at the scorecards, yes, Harare Sports Club could be uh, the place where all the batters will be looking their chops ready to go. But also, too, I think this is a positive series for the Zimbabwe uh, team heading into the qualifier. They're about to pick their squad. They'll be one of the last teams to pick their squad for the qualifier. And uh, at home you'd probably say that you'd almost fancy them to take one of the two spots, assuming that Sri Lanka takes at least one and it's almost a shootout between Zimbabwe and, and say, a, a West Indies or an Ireland or, or another challenger, perhaps, Nick. Yeah, we've, we touched on this last week with the open field, really, behind Sri Lanka, who are the, the obvious favourites. And this is, yeah, Zimbabwe's putting 
together a, a pretty strong case. And uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see whether the Harare Sports Club is as flat as it seems based on the based on the runs being scored. Uh, a couple of big tons to Craig Irvine hit 160 odd in one game and yeah 195 in the last match. So he seems to be in pretty good form. Um, good, just a good run out really for for all of the Zimbabwe guys who, you know, looking at that 11, you'd think most of them are in with a pretty good shot of uh, of making the final squad, which. The the point of this series basically was to warm up for the for the qualifier, so it makes sense. The fact that yes, you have Craig Irvine, Sean Williams, etc. in an A team, yeah, yeah, but it's it's basically because they couldn't uh, they couldn't find any other way to to warm up for the main event. So yeah, I mean, pretty encouraging signs you would imagine, and uh, also worth pointing out that they've had. Uh, a number of guys taking wickets as well, which is, uh, yes, the runs are kind of the, the thing that are catching the eye, but, you know, Sikandar Raza, always, always there or thereabouts. Brad Evans took a five for in one of the matches. Blessing Mizurabani is also in the wickets. Um, Tendai Chitara also took a five for. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the breakthroughs were, were shared around. So that also bodes well for, a you know, a team effort from Zimbabwe. And, and that is something that, you know, you look at that middle order, uh, Williams, Irvine, Wesley Matavere and and of course Joy Lord Gumby at the top as well. You know it, it's coming together pretty well for them, and and so I think you you'd you'd be pretty confident that their batting can handle most situations. But the the bowling was a bit of a question mark because you know in the past Zimbabwe have been a bit sort of one dimensional beyond Mazurabani. Um, but uh, yeah, so it looks like looks like things are coming together quite nicely for them. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd probably put them as as second favourites uh, behind Sri Lanka for that second slot. It wasn't a, a terrible Shaheen's outfit that they put out either. A couple of senior internationals. Shanawaz Dahani, uh, there's a senior international with Pakistan and a couple of guys who have been on the cusp of, of playing Pakistan international cricket. Kazi Makram as well, who uh, was their star at the last Under-19 World Cup as well. So it wasn't a knockabout tour with uh, a few chances playing in the Pakistan team. There's quite a lot of talent in that group as well. Just looking at... at Overall stats, Irvine after that 195 led the, the run tally in the one-day series. And Omar Yusuf, one of the Shaheen's uh, batters, made 275 runs in across four innings. And then looking at at the uh, performances with the ball, as you said, Chatara leading the wickets with 10, which I think bodes well for him because, you know, when you look at that Zimbabwe team, he probably is on the team sheet, but he's not the first name you really necessarily think of of that Zimbabwe lineup and probably not of that Zimbabwe bowling attack, especially when you've got... Big blessing, uh, Sakanda bowling his spin. Ryan Burl, who took a five for out here in Australia when they came out last. So a few guys putting their hands up, and, and I think overall they'll they'll get a lot out of it. You know, we're just as this goes, this show goes live this week. We're about two weeks out from the qualifier itself, so plenty of good build up. And yeah, you would think with this tour, with still a two week gap, it'd be interesting to see what Zimbabwe do now. Maybe in the next week because. You've got those two official warm-ups, but you've got that little window to maybe organise something as well. We know that uh, Nepal are travelling to South Africa. I think they're playing the Netherlands and Scotland there. They might not be playing a South African team there unless they've put it together reasonably late. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of run into their home tournament and, and what they got out of playing at home and, and yeah, what they what they do in the next couple of weeks just to just to ensure they're still still warm and ready to go. Also worth noting too that uh, a team that we won't see the qualifier, Namibia are, are hosting the Karnataka India stateside for five one-day matches coming up 
beginning sort of this weekend as well. Um, we won't see Namibia at this qualifier, which is perhaps a little bit disappointing. I, I think, you know, they're, they're a side that on paper with their best 11 are, are good enough to be at this tournament. Things just didn't work out for them between League Two and, and then at the qualifier playoff. But yeah, we've seen a, a couple of young guys coming through into the Namibia system as well. And uh, we won't forget about that tour either. Good to see, you know, them hosting some cricket in the in the time that yeah they'll be unfortunately watching on the qualifiers from a distance yeah i I think this is kind of an interesting move from namibia you you kind of would have thought you know everyone's flying into southern africa surely someone would would stop over at namibia for some quality warm-ups um but obviously not to be and i I think namibia will get a lot out of this one too you know they're, they're playing a um, you know, the, the kind of squad that they'll rotate a, a lot of their players, I think. Um, but, you know, Kanataka, they're not playing a full-strength team, but they've got some senior guys who, who've done well. You know, they've got uh, Seema, uh, Vijakumar Vishak, uh, who, who played a few games for uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore. They've got, uh, yeah, a couple of guys who did very well in uh, Indian domestic stuff. So, you know, they're, they're not playing a joke team. And uh, I think this will be beneficial to Namibia. But, uh, yeah, as you say, uh, just as, as a spectator, I think Namibia would have added a lot to that uh, that qualifier tournament. But, uh, you know, couldn't put it together in the pathway events. And that's the consequence of, uh, of contextual cricket. Yeah, that series starting on June 2 in Windhoek, the last match on June 11. So look out for news on that. Staying in Africa, Nick, the Southern Africa Cup has run its course. We've seen our three qualifiers from the South for the 2023 ACA Africa T20 Cup. Botswana are running home as undefeated winners here. Four from four, eight points. Net run rate, 3.731. Malawi took the second spot with three wins and just that defeat to Botswana. And Mozambique sneaking into the third spot with a win. The other two teams in the tournament, Mauritius and Eastwatini, also picked up wins, but... Uh, Mozambique's net run rate just getting them through and that was in spite of them losing to Mauritius in a bit of a shock first up defeat Mauritius not an ICC member which you know doesn't necessarily mean they aren't favorites it's just that it's a little bit difficult for for us to work out you know who's actually going to be put out onto the park but it was a great win from Mauritius first up chasing a, a low total there in the dying embers but uh, to look at it from a holistic point of view, uh, an outstanding tournament in terms of its coverage. The, the TV broadcast was excellent and the stream was on ICC TV, run by a, a production company different to the one that, that is used on ICC Pathway events, run just in a different way and picked up by ICC TV. Stump mics, mm. uh, we had third umpires, we had, I think it was six cameras, I could be wrong. The coverage was flawless from what I did see and, and granted I, I wasn't able to probably watch as much of this tournament as I would have wanted but looking at, at the scorecards, we did see Botswana probably a little bit too strong for this level but in saying that, I'll start with Malawi and Sami Sahail, who is a fascinating player in his story. You know, he played a bit of minor league cricket in the USA and plenty of cricket in the USA too. Obviously qualifies for Malawi and comes back and plays international cricket. But yeah, overall a great tournament and also for, for Mozambique sneaking into the next round. who Probably weren't at their best. We have seen them play some good cricket at, at Pathway events. And yeah, those are our three qualifiers from the South, Nick. Yes, I mean, it's, I guess, what we predicted uh, with, um, you know, Botswana kind of running away with it and uh, Malawi and Mozambique making up the other two spots. But yeah, Mozambique were pretty disappointing. Um, Malawi, yeah, Sami Sohal, as you say, interesting story, plays for the Chicago Tigers in the minor league. I think, you know, the minor league's kind of interesting in that in some ways it's shaping up to be what 
uh, a lot of the optimistic predictions and and we saw uh, some of those around the, the IPL and with an Irish uh, you know in the final and whatnot you know the optimistic predictions around franchise cricket are, are kind of more bearing out at uh, minor league level which is sort of an interesting thread there but uh, yeah he he played really well uh, star all rounder for Malawi in the runs in the wickets a fantastic outing for him and I mean Malawi have been they've been building over the last sort of couple of years so. I think yeah, it's onwards and upwards for them. Um, Mozambique, though, on the you know you, you you look at who's scoring the runs. The, you know they're heavily reliant on Kosa and Kuana, who are sort of that core in the middle order. And where else is the runs going to come from? You're not really seeing it. You know we saw Dario Makome. Uh, he took three wickets against Eswatini, but you know other than that, it wasn't particularly effective. Yeah, so a lot of questions I think for Mozambique as as they uh, reassess and and look ahead to the the main event which will be played later in the year. But, uh, you know, they, they made it through. They did what they needed to do. Would have been interesting if Mauritius or uh, Eswatini had made it through instead because, you know, in their, in their game against Eswatini, Mozambique won on the last ball in, of that chase with the aforementioned uh, Felipe Cosa getting them home with an unbeaten half-century. Um, but, you know, if you're conceding 100 you know, basically 130 against Eswatini. I don't know. You you you're kind of asking some questions of your of your bowling unit. Meaning no disrespect to Eswatini, but you know their their team has struggled a lot in recent times. And uh, yeah, we'll be interesting to see if we uh, get uh, appearances from Mauritius at at regional level. Um, it's always nice when a ICC non-member gets to turn out. And uh, yeah, picking up a win against an ICC member is uh, that's not nothing. So good for them. But yeah, looking at the uh, at Botswana, yeah, obviously I think they're a bit too good for this kind of I guess pseudo sub-regional you can call it level, and it'll be uh, it'll be more of a challenge to see how they go against uh, you know kind of the big guns of the region like your you know your, your Uganda and your Tanzanias and whatnot. But yeah, good good event as you say, good broadcasting standard. I just wish <laughs> there'd been a bit more publicity about it because as you say, it was, it was on an ICC TV, but I wasn't aware of that and. I mean, you know, both of us do try and keep an eye on these things, and even we didn't see it until I think you said you you sort of stumbled upon it by chance. So, yeah, they have this product, and I just wish they they could have done a bit more to to get the information out there and make more of a more of a fuss about it because yeah, it's, it was a high quality product, entertaining tournament, good broadcast standard. Uh, pretty they had a I don't know if you saw, but the uh, the decision pending had a little guy with a beating a drum, uh, building up the tension, a little cartoon uh, a drummer there. So that was uh, that was pretty funny, but. Uh, yeah, good good standard, and uh, hopefully we see more of this. And I guess once again, every time this kind of thing happens, it's a bit of an indictment to the ICC pathway events and you know the Crick clubs contractors who, who who are running that. You know this was a lot better than a lot of the pathway events we've seen. Why can't the ICC manage to do that for their events? Yeah, so it was uh, Corecom Media Ventures who were the tournament production and, and distribution. Uh, organizers and apparently they've signed a multi-year agreement with the ACA for future tournaments so we'll see women's events probably uh, held at the same at the same standard and yeah as mentioned it, it was by chance I, I just check ICC TV basically every day just in case there is something because there's actually been a, a little bit of a shift actually in ICC there's been a bit of a, a shuffling of the chairs on the deck in terms of how ICC TV is managed it actually used to come under one of the guys that I work next to in in the office from the company that that we work for, but ICC have actually taken that role back, and and someone is doing it from 
Dubai, which might have, because of that transition period, it might have been why I missed it individually, personally. But yeah, that that's sort of where it's at. And I, I think it bodes well for, for future tournaments to know that we've got a, few, a, a proof of concept like this at this level. Uh, we know that the Willowmore ground at Benoni is, is set up in such a way where you can do stuff like this. And I think that's maybe one factor that, you know, some emerging cricket fans probably haven't factored into to how this is all done because, you know, that setup there is already conducive to a decent TV production and camera positions and stuff like that. So looking forward to, to what they've got in the future. Yeah, a couple of uh, individual performers that we should probably highlight. The likes of the, the two Carabos for Botswana, Motlanka and Medise. Medise opens the batting and opens the bowling and his left arm sort of, he reminds me actually of, of a guy that I used to play a lot of cricket with, a bigger sort of left arm opening bowler who just gets prodigious movement with the new ball. It, it's a sight to see and he makes runs at the top of the order for Botswana and, you know, Motlanka captains the side as well. So so Medise and, and Motlanka and yeah, then we saw the, uh, as we mentioned last week, the predatory uh, Maloki Muketsi bowling his left arm orthodox. Although he, he has been rather outshone in recent times by uh, Druvkuma Mysuria, his leg spinning counterpart, who's broken the world record this week as the fastest to 50 mm. T20I wickets by matches played. It took him just 22 matches and it went a little bit under the radar here. Smashed Ajantha Mendes' record that's been around for a long time, probably almost since the start of, of T20I cricket. He did it in 26 games. So to break it by four matches is an outstanding performance. To look at, at maybe some of the other teams, again, as you mentioned in the in the notes here, uh, Mozambique a little bit too reliant on, on a couple of players. But yeah, good to see them sneak through and, and you know potentially give the next level a tilt. But looking to, to Botswana, they're definitely the hope of, of this region at, at the next level at least. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Maestria is a, a really good prospect. It'll be interesting to see how he goes. He's played a lot of cricket, I guess, kind of at, at this lower level of, of African associates. Um, so it will be interesting to see how he makes the step up. Although, you know, he was taking a bunch of wickets a little more recently in various regional things last year. So I think he should be able to manage it. A handy record, <laughs> 50... <laughs> Yeah, 50 wickets in, in 22 matches. Uh, he's already taken a couple of fifers and, and a whole bunch of four-wicket hauls. So he's he's uh, definitely a wicket-taking threat. And the bowling average of seven and a half, you can't really argue with that. Yeah, exactly. Looking forward to those three teams take on the rest of the region at the ACA Africa T20 Cup. The dates for that tournament are not yet known. We do know the dates for the other two regional qualifying events. Uh, The Northern African Cup begins on June 24, the East Africa Cup on July 21. And again, probably worth reiterating, actually, that East Africa Cup, only two teams go through, and it's a stacked field in that East Africa region, Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania, Uganda. Um, So definitely look out for that when that comes along. Let's move to Asia and the East Asia Cup. Uh, A Quasi test event for the Women's Asian Games coming up, and it was a win for uh, Hong Kong, although it didn't come easy. They needed a super over to beat China in the final. Uh, looking at the the round robin stage, played every uh, played both of your opponents twice. Hong Kong managed to win uh, three matches there out of the four to top the group with uh, six points, and then yeah, heading to the final. Um, after China did defeat them earlier in the tournament, bowling them out for just 54, were both held to 72 
uh, after 20 overs, 72 all out China after 17 overs, and then Hong Kong uh, stranded on 72 for nine. Super over Hong Kong managing to put up 15 runs in that and China losing two wickets. So fascinating competition. Have some intel from Alan Kerr, who, as we know, is part of uh, the Japanese Cricket Association. He given his intel on the facilities there. But but to start with sort of the news on the field, uh, job done for Hong Kong. Uh, and then as we do move to uh, the Asian Games, it's uh, a decent proof of concept for, for Hangzhou uh, later in the year. Yeah, interesting uh, to see the fact that this, uh, this facility is a apparently going to be demolished after the games uh, that's a bit of a shame because you know it would be great for cricket to have uh, this kind of facility uh, which which by all accounts was very good you know to have this available year round for the chinese team and you know i think it's worth remembering that the, the chinese women's team before covid sort of cut china off from well to you know cut china off from the world but especially uh, in this context uh, from international cricket the women's team was sort of there and thereabouts you know they were pretty easily uh, around the kind of second or third ranked uh, team in in those asia groups um, obviously thailand have been the runaway leaders in asia for a number of years in women's cricket but you know china were, were definitely in that chasing pack and, and doing quite well and yeah that final reminds me of you know the, china and hong kong have had some good battles over the years in, in women's cricket um i'm thinking of uh back to i think it might have been uh, 2019 in the east asia cup that uh, carrie chan grabbed a grabbed a hat trick to 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 save the match for hong kong against china a few years back uh which uh, she was also in the wickets here so nice to see her still performing but you know i, th- I think i guess the story for for hong kong in the final was alison Sue who took who took uh, five for eight and uh you know it, it's the kind of I don't want to say second string, but the more fringe players who, I guess, gotten more of an opportunity due to uh, the eligibility issues around the Asian Games. Um, so it was it was interesting to see Hong Kong, it's sort of almost a, a development eleven, you could say. Um, but uh, yeah, some pretty promising signs. Bowling again, though the strength, and you know we've seen that a number of times at women's associate level, is that the the batting is kind of a challenge and you know <laughs> when the the top scorer you know Carrie Chan for Hong Kong was was a top scorer with 77 uh, Erica Oda for Japan with 73 and and Han Lily with uh, 91 for China so you know you're playing four or five matches uh, not even breaking triple figures that kind of indicates I don't think there was any demons in the pitch and um you know even uh, per the intelligence that we've gathered from uh, from Alan Kerr, the boundaries were quite short. So uh, I'm I'm thinking that again, this is this is a, a case of something we see a lot, which is that you know you can train bowling quite effectively in the nets, but batting is something you, you more or less have to have a lot of match practice for. So that's uh, I guess a, a question mark heading into the Asian Games, where they will of course come up against Thailand, who are, are the raging favourites for the gold medal, I would say, but. Yeah, but behind Thailand, it's kind of an open field, and you know we saw that in this in this tournament. And I'm I'm really enjoying the East Asia Cup. I, I think it's it's a excellent little tournament. Um, hopefully they can get more teams participating. You know, get get Korea back into it and so on. But uh, 
yeah, it's it's provided some some exciting matches over the years, and it's it's always good to you know to have this opportunity for teams in the region to to play each other more frequently. Yeah, a couple of other points that Alan made while he was over there, and yeah, as he said, it'll likely be sort of torn down after the uh, event. But yeah, the wicket didn't really have too many deems. The facility was good. There was a little bit of trouble with timings and uh and other sort of parts of how it was all run and, and put together but overall they were quite happy with how it was all put together it'd be interesting to see what happens on on the men's side of things if you know that ground is as small as we have been told it is but it might be conducive to some you know entertaining cricket and i think it's also worth reiterating a point that we made uh last week and maybe even the week before as well is that for Japan especially, uh, the eligibility rules in terms of who they are actually allowed to play in the tournament are different to the ICC eligibility rules. So you will see potentially some newer faces in the, in the Japan men's squad once it comes to, to them uh, for that tournament coming up as well. That Asian Games was meant to be played obviously last year as well uh, and then has been pushed back with, with you know all the troubles that have, have gone on there. Um, it will start on the 23rd of September. So a little bit of time before that tournament, but yeah, just good to get uh, that sort of concept proofed and, and ready to go before before we do see cricket at the Asian Games. Um, there's an eSports program at the Asian Games. Just looking at, at some of the other sports and, and disciplines at the event, it's, it's, a, it's a massive multi-sport games. It's sometimes a little bit hard. I suppose, you know, we follow the commonwealth games as, mm. as well it, it, it's probably of a of a similar sort of ilk but you know that they're, they're not missing with a lot of different sports you know you've got not just cricket the likes of jiu-jitsu judo judo is an olympic sport but kabaddi wushu as well uh which is uh martial art well yeah it, it is a big uh, inter, uh, international multi-sport games and you know the fact that Cricket's in there is is very helpful for the sport, and we saw you know a little earlier with the Southeast Asian Games, and you know some uh, shenanigans going on with uh, with Cambodia putting together a team to to try and get some medals, and now here we have China building an excellent facility for the sport. So getting in these big games is incredibly important to to developing the sport, and yeah, I just I just it would be good if the Chinese Cricket Association could. Uh, find some way of convincing the organizers to <laughs> to leave the stadium up after the games but uh yeah once again the importance of multi-sport games can't be overstated and let's try and get cricket in the olympics huh agreed uh not going to get much disagreement from our listeners on that one nick preaching to the choir we'll, we'll stick to the region um malaysia hosting Nepal in a women's T20I series, five matches. Uh, the return of the Nepali women's national team after 340 days without official international fixtures. I was in, informed or, or told that the Nepali team have played a couple of sort of tour games in that time and there has been a little bit of domestic cricket, but on the whole, uh, yeah, it's been a long wait for the Nepali women to play international cricket again. And you could see the rust in that first match where they were brushed aside by the Malaysian challenge. They have come back to lead the Series 2-1. As we are recording, there are two matches left in the series to play. So we'll probably wrap this in in more detail next week. But definitely worth bringing up the topic uh, to talk today, Nick, just because of the the lengthy time, you know, off the field. And I I think, you know, it's pretty obvious watching that stream and, and looking at the scorecards that, yeah, there was quite a lot of rust involved and, 
and maybe looking outside of, of one or two Nepali players that that, that Nepali team needs just a, a little bit more of a leg up there just to, to you know sort of build into the to the next level of, of international cricket for them. Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't play any matches, what do you expect? And yes, they've played a few little things and there's been some domestic women's cricket, which is good because, you know, a lot of the time that's something that gets neglected uh, as well. But I mean, look at how much cricket Nepal's men's team has played in the intervening year between uh, June 2022 and now. And compare it to the women. Yes, the women missed out on qualifying for some uh, sort of pathway stuff. But there's also been a whole bunch of bilaterals that have been organised by the Cricket Association of Nepal for the men. Uh, then we haven't seen that on the women's side. So, yeah, pretty disappointing that we haven't been able to uh, to see the women in action for almost a year. But hopefully, uh, yeah, we get we get some more games soon. I just, yeah, I would point out that uh, it seems like, at least in the first three matches... Basically, they're extremely reliant on Rubina Chetri, who has been a star for them for a number of years now. But, you know, <laughs> this is kind of an issue is that they they have run some domestic cricket and they don't seem to have unearthed anyone who, who's able to uh, back her up in, in any reliable way. And so that's still kind of a question for them is where where is the next generation of talent coming from and, you know, how they're going to fill out that 11 around, uh, you know, around Chetri and I guess to a lesser extent, um, Shooter Runner McGar. Yeah, I think, you know, just the first three matches here, you can just see that, you know, there are a couple more Malaysian players who are able to kind of contribute in, in a more effective way in terms of delivering a result here. You know, the likes of their bowling attack, Nick Noatiella, you know, taking six wickets across the first three games, uh, Aizia, Elisa. Uh, Mahari Izadi Ismail as well and then Winnie Durasingham chipping in with the ball and then you've got Winnie with the bat as well as well as Azadi Ismail so there's a couple of all-rounders who have really stood up for Malaysia but you know the likes of Mazalisa one Julia as well chipping in with the bat a little bit more and just making it just taking maybe the responsibility away off off one player's shoulders and I think that's a a big thing that we're still seeing in in parts of emerging cricket on the women's side, the reliance on, on two or three players. And, you know, we saw that in, in men's T20I cricket when it started, you know, 15 years ago. And it just seems that, that was on the full member end of things, let alone at, at associate cricket. So I think it's it's just one of those things where when we will see, I suppose, the evolution of, of women's T20I cricket at this level, we'll see a few more players sort of really standing up and, and, and making a bit more of an impression. That series ends over the weekend so we'll sort of wrap it in in full uh on next week's show and <laughs> moving to the european div 2 uh t20 world cup qualifiers for the, the t20 world cup they've definitely kept us on our toes this week thought this might have been a case of germany running away with it and locking in a qualification early and we've seen france hold on despite a late challenge from germany on the final day of the tournament, Italy taking the second spot as well, beating Turkey. A crazy finish, Nick, in all of this. We thought maybe on paper that Germany would potentially run away with this and before from four before the final day and, and not have to worry about winning on the final day. But just overall, I guess it, it, it shows that there is a little bit of depth there. Even Jersey, who have finished outside, have, have shown they've got a bit about them as well. They won multiple matches. Uh, they've got an extremely young side, so it's a case of, you know, in, in tournaments of the future, we should definitely see them raise their level 
a little bit more. Talking to a few people who have been uh, commentating on this event, uh, Georgie Heath, Michael McCann, and uh, those guys in Jersey, they've actually they've actually been quite impressed by Turkey, even though Turkey haven't won a game. Particularly the bowlers, they thought that there was some raw talent there, and we know it's been hard for Turkey to get on the field uh, in international pathway events on both the men's and women's side, but. I think this bodes well for the future of, of cricket in the region. You know, if this is the, the Division 2, uh, for a lack of a, a better sort of name for this tournament, the top two go to uh, the next round. But, yeah, you've got to say that there's a little bit of quality here and, and interested to see what happens in, in maybe future cycles going forward. This this competition getting a little bit more stronger collectively and, and, and maybe even, even tighter finishes. Yeah, I mean, Turkey, uh, as you say, the results on the field, um, are, are disappointing, but just the fact they've able they've been able to get there is is kind of a step up. You know, we've seen in the last little while a lot of the uh, a lot of visa issues and and various other problems with uh, with the team making its way to the actual uh, <laughs> to the actual qualifiers. So uh, I think this is a good start. Turkey's yeah, it's an interesting one. They've they've put a lot of effort into their um, into their cricket program recently, and uh, I think they're one to watch over the next few years because. Uh, they're doing a lot of good work uh, to to try and spread the sport. So yeah, good good stuff for them. Uh, Jersey, as you say, very young team. I think basically this could be an under 19s team or even like even an under 17s yeah. team almost. Um, they're yeah, very very young side. So uh, I think they they're only going to get better and better. Jersey's women's program is it's interesting because they. It's not to say that women's cricket hasn't existed on the island. Definitely, women have been playing cricket in Jersey for a long time, but. Uh, it has been. It seems like a conscious choice from the administration in the last couple of years to to try and push the women's game a bit more, and it seems to be uh, you know gathering steam. They put on a pretty good uh, pretty good event here, and uh, I think they were uh, you know they 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 performed creditably. Uh, you know they they didn't make it through, but uh, they beat Italy uh, on the first day pretty comprehensively uh, inside eight overs. So. Uh, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Georgia Mallet with four wickets, uh, <laughs> completely derailing Italy, and of course Italy made it through. So yeah, good effort from Jersey. Uh, Germany, yeah, we expected them to go through. Uh, they didn't quite get there, but you know, as we've seen, they they did play well, and um, you know, Christina Goff. Uh, Basically, in a in a class of her own, she hit three fifties, pretty much twice as many runs as anyone else. Uh, only yeah, <laughs> didn't get dismissed in the first four games. You know, that's that's basically you know that's as dominant as it gets. Um, and of course, Anurata Dolabalapur with the ball, taking bags of wickets. So it's it's those players who who have played a lot of international cricket that experience is showing. Um, so yeah, it just goes to show. You know the the importance of uh, playing regular cricket, and you know, it's something that's um you know we kind of hammer home every week, really. But just get on the field more, play more games, and you'll start winning more games. And it's not that complicated. Um, France also uh, good effort for them sneaking through. I think the important thing to look at with France is how uh, their run scoring seems to be improving. Um, Inez McEwen. Uh, we think Sister of Gustav uh, scored scored a bunch of runs for them. May Violo was was there or thereabouts. Yeah, Poppy McGowan, who's been in the team for a couple of years now. Um, so yeah, their 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 sort of top order is coming together, and that's something that um, again 
it's just the experience uh, that they've been able to collect over the last few years uh, has has put them in good stead. And, uh, you know, their bowling's been bolstered by a newcomer, Prabashi Maharawadaga, um, who made her debut in the tournament against Italy. Um, and, uh, yeah, she, she's also been in the wickets. So their bowling's uh, looking stronger and their batting's looking a bit more steady. So, yeah, France, another one to, to, to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, speaking to... Uh to Georgie uh, during the tournament. Basak Kozgun, who was the, the Turkish captain set to play in this tournament, missed uh, the tournament with an injured leg. It meant that Dorukut Thailand had to take the captaincy reins there, which did added a, another dimension to the difficulties that they faced at the tournament. And again, worth reiterating that, yeah, everyone was quite impressed with even even Turkey's performance, even with the, uh, the you know, the record that, that is next to their name for this tournament. We know that... Uh, we know that the uh, Division One qualifier brings in Scotland and the Netherlands for Europe, and then they go into a, a a global qualifier later on in the pathway. So, looking for that. And the last bit of uh, intel I got from Georgie too was that half of Germany's bags got lost at at Heathrow on the way over there, which probably didn't help <laughs> their cause in in qualification either, mm-hmm. which uh, isn't fun. Um, can can personally attest you know when the luggage doesn't come through the uh conveyor belt on the other side it's uh it's not a fun feeling and uh paul bertus young had to lend me a couple of shirts the first couple of days in, yes. uh, in namibia <laughs> that wasn't a fun time and i probably I... uh yeah it's it's not it's not nice being the last man standing at the uh no. at the conveyor belt and you're thinking mm, what's going on <sighs> yeah. the worst part was like i think i got someone i met on the plane offered me a lift to the airbnb and uh, I had to turn it down. I was like, I just, my bag hasn't come. Um, go on without me, unfortunately. <laughs> um, tough times, tough times. Anyway, uh, we move forward as, as we do in, in the emerging cricket world. I think that's just about everything in the emerging game, Nick. Thank you for hanging around uh, late into the Reykjavik night after the last 48 hours you've had. Uh, enjoyed your company once again and uh, hopefully yeah our edit for this week uh, isn't too bad uh, another busy week in the emerging game yep yeah lots of cricket lots of women's cricket also which is which is very nice because um, it seems like they're starting to catch up to the men's game in terms of having a lot of these events going on so yeah always always exciting for news and events in the game's new world, make sure to log on to emergingcricket.com in the build-up to uh, the Cricket World Cup qualifier and a number of events going on also on social media everywhere as well as your usual listening spots. But for now, on behalf of Nick and myself, Daniel Beswick, it's goodbye.